Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There wasn't any sort of moment where I sort of went, I'm Nikki and I have anxiety, you know, I'm really struggling. It was more this progressive me getting worse until the point where I took myself to the doctors, really. I took myself and I went to the doctor and I remember I had no makeup, wet hair. I was like, if I don't go to the doctors now, I'm going to do something stupid. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. My name is Yvette, and this week I'm going to be chatting to Nikki McCaig. She's a blogger and freelance social media marketer who suffers from anxiety. I'm going to be chatting to her about the challenges to your mental health when you're self-employed. So I started blogging in 2014 um, when I was at uni and I hated uni. I thought it was just this sort of quite oppressive thing where I was like, there's no experience here. I'm learning how to write essays, but not how to actually write anything that's going to be useful in the real world. I wanted a work experience thing. They said you need a blog, so I wrote a blog. And it was really boring at first. It was about like what cutlery I brought to uni or horrible things like that. And eventually it sort of spiraled into a bit more lifestyle, a bit more beauty. And then as I got more sort of professional in my career, it went into the the mental health and the the freelance stuff. Mm. Yeah. So are there particular themes you now focus on? Um, Because to be honest with bloggers, Mm -hmm. I've noticed it's some bloggers you know it's it's more just about sort of them so like they're the brand and they'll write about anything mm-hmm. and then there's others they're very much you know I do beauty or like I do niche such. yeah yeah I I think I've sort of gone more niche I used to be a lot more sort of you know a bit more variety but since going freelance I feel like it's all I talk about now and I'm, I like that and I also kind of think you know I've got so much experience with it I've got so much I can talk about you know what I was sharing before wasn't necessarily benefiting anyone. It was just going, this is a lip balm and this is what I think about it, which is which is a great, you know, service to everybody. But if I can talk about mental health and help freelancers struggling with mental health problems, you know, I'd rather use the platform for something that more beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me a bit about your anxiety mm-hmm. and your own sort of mental health stuff. When did sure. that first strike, if you will? 
So I've pretty much had anxiety since as long as I can remember. It was, I've, I've never known what it's like not to feel slightly anxious about something. And that's quite a sad way to think about it. But it is just kind of how I've, you know, grown up. But I had my first panic attack when I was 11. I was at a, a birthday party, I think. And I just locked myself in a toilet, wouldn't come out. And I was pretty much hyperventilating until my dad came to pick me up. So it was from then on that kind of sparked panic disorder where I was going, what about the next party? Am I going to have another panic attack? Am I going to feel sick again? Am I going to throw up? Am I going to have a big panic attack and faint, you know? It was all of those things that I just thought, I can't do anything now. I can't go to this. And then that sort of, in my head, spiraled to agoraphobia where I couldn't do anything. I couldn't go to the cinema or go swimming or do anything with my friends until I was probably about 16. So that was five years where I didn't really socialize that much, which is tough when you've got stuff like school trips and discos and various other things like that going on in your life. It's it's pretty tough to handle, yeah. Were your friends aware at all of your panic attacks or your anxiety? Not so much. They sort of had a vague awareness that I didn't like doing things. And it became one of those things where they didn't want to not invite me to things, but they wanted me to feel included. So they would invite me and they'd go, oh, we're well, going to say no. And it was kind of that situation, which is, as an anxious person, is really tough to hear. You know, it's quite tricky to handle that. And um, also at my school, we had a lot of... Um, bigger mental health problems that we tended to focus on so because I went to an all-girls school it was very much eating disorders were the range and you know it was oh have you heard that so-and-so's had an eating disorder or so-and-so's been admitted to a mental health unit and so we didn't talk about that kind of everyday anxiety unless it was a really big thing that had happened Mm. and I kind of thought well no one's no one cares no one's going to be interested you know even I don't know what I'm feeling so how is anyone else going to be able to help what was the mental health sort of provision like at your all girls mm-hmm. school? That's interesting in itself, yeah. I think. Were, were there sort of talks about the mental health stuff? Because, I mean, I mean I'm mean, i 37, so I can only sort of say, you know, when I was at school, there yeah. was pretty much nothing. But I, I don't know what it's like sort of now. I don't think it's much better. In my experience, you know, there was very little. If you had, we had a counsellor and she would only come up to you in times of exams And I once went to her and said, I feel really anxious. I had a panic attack in this exam. She went, oh, just put you in a separate room for that next exam. And that was it. And I didn't see her again. And there's no real support for long-term mental health problems. We had no ties to any form of actual sort of psychological institution. It was very much just for getting you through till the end of the year or through your exams. And then once that's happened, no, they're not interested anymore. So it really was sort of tough. And I had to find outside help. I actually tried hypnotherapy, which didn't quite work for me. And um, then I went on to do counselling when I was 16 and CBT, which changed my life, actually. It was great. Loved it. But it was the best thing I've ever done, really. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. That's the thing. Is is that the thing that sort of helped you the most? Absolutely. Yeah. I was sort of at the stage where I was like, if I don't get this CBT or this help now, I'm never going to go to uni. I'm never going to leave my house. I'm never going to leave my mum and dad. I'm never going to move on from that, you know. And so I thought I need to do something. And I got this CBT and it helped me do so much in kind of a short time. And I think it was just having someone go, this is how you can deal with your anxiety. This is how you can think about things properly. So it didn't quite deal with why I'm anxious or why I deal with things in this way, but it focused on getting me to uni, which I needed so much. Mm. 
And it was sort of from then on, I got to go to things like festivals and I got to go to parties and school trips. I went on my first school trip when I was 18, which is crazy, you know. And but it, you know, really helped me to do things like that. It was really great. Could we go back just for a minute? Because um, you mentioned initially that you had your first panic attack Mm -hmm. age 11. And I think when you said that, I sort of it's interesting because we we haven't sort of talked a huge amount on this podcast about Mm -hmm. sort of uh, mental health issues in childhood so yeah how did your parents react to that because I think a lot of parents mm-hmm. yeah would just be not necessarily shocked but just really kind of feel a bit helpless to be honest I think I remember my dad saying this is a bit embarrassing but you went you've probably got trapped wind was my dad's exact words as we were driving in the car home and he thought that that was what was making me shake and feel sick and hyperventilate and so I kind of thought from then on, well, that's what it is. But then I sort of noticed it was it was really bad and it was getting to the point where I didn't want to do things. And I thought that's when something's wrong. But that kind of almost brush off in a way that I don't think it's anything serious. I'm not too fussed by it, you know. It's not something we need to take you to the doctor over. You know, I think that kind of continued for a long time into my teens until I think, you know, they started noticing you don't go to anything, you know, all your friends are doing this. It'd be nice to see you go out. And I'd go, oh, well, I get this feeling. So I can't. There wasn't any sort of moment where I sort of went, I'm Nikki and I have anxiety. You know, I'm really struggling. It was more this progressive me getting worse until the point where I took myself to the doctors really I took myself and I went to the doctor and I remember I had no makeup wet hair I was like if I don't go to the doctors now I'm gonna do something stupid so I want to get some help right now but my parents didn't know that much about it you know they didn't see that sort of day-to-day progression because from their perspective I was going to school and coming home from school you know Mm. there wasn't much else to it really what do you think would be helpful um in terms of I mean I suppose parents listening to this or mm-hmm. other young people listening to this um in terms of what what you could have done yourself or, mm. but also what parents or friends could have done at, at that sort of young age because yeah. you know you're a, you know you're not even teenage teenager yeah. then you're a child yeah. so to be honest I actually had a really interesting conversation with someone about this and he's got an 11 year old son who's exhibiting signs of anxiety he's getting him into therapy and I'd recommend that I I firmly believe that if your child is exhibiting signs of mental illness take them to therapy there's going to be a child psychologist out there they don't need to be exhibiting signs of psychosis or paranoia for them to have a mental illness and to be taken seriously you know take them to a doctor even if it's they are at a party and all of a sudden they get really enclosed in on themselves. They get really sort of upset over nothing. That could be a trigger or they just sort of go, I don't want to go to school. If you're hearing that repeated pattern of, I don't want to go to school, I don't want to go to school. And it's not just because I've got maths today or, and you can sort of tell, take them to a therapist and, you know, get them help as early as possible. Because I mean, if I'd got help when I was 11, you know, I'm at a completely different story. And I mean, the help I had when I was 18 was great, but, you know, seven years earlier would have been even better. Mm. Really, yeah. So we moved on there to uni. You got mm-hmm. to uni um, yep. with the help of your CBT. Yes. Um, how did things sort of progress from there in terms of your anxiety, in terms mm-hmm. of managing it? So when I went to uni, I had a very sort of perspective of, like, I'm going to manage this myself. This is my thing to deal with. This is sort of my problem. Now, I'm not living at home anymore. I'm completely independent. And that that worked for a while, And I didn't have any major sort of episodes of mental health at uni. And I just found all of it stressful. 
not even the exams or the coursework, but it was more the actual living away from home with strangers. I found that really hard. But because my anxiety was, say, the constant like level, I didn't find any massive spikes because it was just a constant ugh, kind of feeling. But I did have sort of a housemate who tried to kill herself. And so that was quite a painful thing to deal with. Yeah, that was quite stressful. And, you know, it was lots of different elements. And it was kind of like being back at school again, where everyone else's mental health seemed to be this big thing. Whereas my little, oh, I feel a bit anxious, didn't seem to come up as a big issue. I think it's probably, um, yeah, quite mm. a difficult time for lots of people going off to uni because you yeah. are sort of on your own and sort of trying to work things out like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what sort of thing helped you during that time? Was there any kind of help from the university or was it more sort of help from family or did you just sort of mm-hmm. completely um, do things on your own? Like you say? <laughs> no, it must I, have I been had... really hard, especially with your housemate. The housemate thing was tough and I didn't necessarily got on great with my housemates but I had a really good group of course friends that were like my absolute rock and I had like my best friend that I met and she was amazing and she was able to see me through every panic attack and every single thought of anxious thought she just sort of automatically knew how to handle it and that was that helped me a lot I think and that got me through a lot of uni and you know if you are struggling at uni having just one person go I understand I get it it's okay you know, stuff like that really did help me. So in terms of moving into the workplace, did you go straight into being freelance or did you have a period of um, being in-house somewhere first? Uh, I was in-house at a tech startup first for about six months. And um, it was a very toxic workplace. It was absolutely horrendous. And that affected my mental health more than anything, anything previously had. It was a very, very difficult place to work. It was very sort of poorly managed. And I kind of received a lot of personal sort of harassment in that workplace and I really struggled and I made some really good friends and I met my now boyfriend there but at the time it was just this constant sort of it felt very personal humiliation and a lot of bad ways Mm. and it was really really tough and that kind of made me question everything I thought I knew about myself and about you know my attitude to work and my attitude to the workplace as well and managers in particular and yeah that was really really hard working there especially first job out of uni as well it's it's a big thing to suddenly go into this this workplace where you're all of a sudden the worst person in the room you know it's it's really tough so after that sort of yes. negative experience yeah. although you met your boyfriend so that's I nice. did he's lovely <laughs> um did you then go straight to being freelance yes I did so I was actually let go from that workplace which was the worst thing that pretty much happened to me in my life it was a traumatic experience and it led to me having PTSD which was really really tough but then through that I managed to sort of take the bits of my work I knew I was good at and I knew that I could do well and turn it into a freelance career and that was sort of my kind of coming out of the ashes moment where I sort of thought you know maybe I'm not suited in the workplace, but maybe I can work as a freelancer and I can work one-on-one with clients, you know, take out the middleman, the managers and just focus on the work. And that's kind of where the career really started and sort of spiraled from then on. Mm. So before we start to talk about sort of anxiety and generally sort of the mental health side of things, could you just explain Mm -hmm. to me kind of briefly about what your role is? It's quite a modern role, isn't it? Like, let's be honest, like 10 years ago, (laughs) well, I mean, 20 years ago, it wouldn't be a job possibly definitely not no it's basically what I do is I manage the social media accounts of brands and businesses 
but I also do blog content writing, copywriting and kind of brand development on social media. So I do Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Pinterest and even YouTube if they need me to. Mm. Yeah. Because I mean, I think everybody sort of vaguely understands that or they might have their own Mm. personal Instagram or Twitter. um, And I think they are aware of, you know, that brands have have their social media Mm. as well. But yeah, yeah, it's really interesting to me now that that's... uh, that's a career and obviously loads of people have that mm-hmm. um are there any sort of particular clients that you can mention or is are you rather not it's it's a lot of private clients yeah, but sure. i can sort of say from the sectors i work in so yeah. i do stuff like health and beauty uh, skincare i also work with uh, technology or um apprenticeships education um sort of engineering in just a big variety of sectors and mm-hmm. i've sort of moving a bit more into the finance sort of area as well which is a, a new thing for me but i'm happy to learn it you know and keep sort of building on that mm. and what's the main goal when clients come mm-hmm. to you what do they what do they want or do they just say get me a billion followers <laughs> and you know I want I don't know Kylie Jenner to post a Follow thing me, about yeah. me or something yeah to be honest I thought it was going to be like that it's it's so much not so many times brand come to me and go I don't know what I'm doing with my social media I just need a strategy or I need a, a bit of guidance or I just don't have time to do my social media mm you know I've got all these photographs of my pretty products or this thing but I don't know where to go with it and it's sort of I sort of come in and go okay here's what we can do here's a nine grid of Instagram here's the hashtags you need here are the captions with the great keywords in it off you go and you know sometimes they need me to take over and do the whole social media process other times they just want sort of the nudge in the right direction mm-hmm. but you know I I've honestly never had a client that's come and demanded you know I want this many numbers or this much data or anything like that I think because people are still learning about social media even in 2019 you know from a business perspective they just want to see a little bit of increase to know Mm -hmm. that they're on the right track at least and it's also about relationships isn't it because it's not entirely about numbers Mm because anyone can kind of buy followers but it's about from what I gather it's about sort of having followers or clients whatever you're sort of calling them Mm -hmm. who are kind of interacting with the brand and you know so if something new comes out they go oh that's nice I might get that for my (laughs) son or I don't know yes, whoever yeah um yeah and having these conversations rather than just mm. having like loads and loads of followers yeah um so as a freelance then mm-hmm. um with anxiety yeah. what are the particular challenges that you've found in terms of your mental health so I think one of the biggest things for me is that being a freelancer is incredibly lonely and I really don't want to put a big bad spin over it because I believe there are so many great elements of freelancing but it is lonely. I can see you nodding that it is. It can be a lonely thing. <laughs> I mean I could talk to you about this for the whole show like we could keep Jules here for pretty much like another hour if you want because yeah I mean I went freelance like over a year ago. I used yeah. to be in-house at Metro um, and then I chose to go freelance so I could work um, a, sort of across a range of nationals. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no, I'd completely yeah. agree because it's funny when I first went freelance, I thought this is great. I'm going to be able to work from home. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, go out in the countryside. It's going to be really nice. Yeah. I can do what I want. I can do stuff from abroad because I do lots of travel stuff as well as other things. So I was just like, yeah, all I saw was the positives, even though I was commissioning at the time from other freelancers who were saying, look, Yvette, yeah. this might happen. This might happen. This might happen. I was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, you were <laughs> all excited. Yeah. But yeah, the loneliness thing is... Oh surprising isn't it like so in fact surprising. only yesterday because I, I work from home regularly mm-hmm. um but only yesterday I was just like I'm just gonna make myself go to a coffee shop mm-hmm. so I've actually had a chat to someone today because <laughs> otherwise I won't have left yes. the house in two days yeah that's that's my week it's painful it's really tough and 
you know, even when you do go to a coffee shop, sometimes, you know, or if all you're saying is, hi, can I have a latte? You know, that doesn't fulfill your social quota. That just kind of, I think it can make you feel lonelier sometimes. I've tried mm. sort of the co-working spaces and I've tried the coffee shops and sometimes they work. Other times you kind of just end up feeling like you're in a room of people and you're not really actually talking or interacting with anyone. Mm. So that, that's for me is what affects my mental health. That can make me feel depressed. It can make me feel sort of anxious. It can make me feel really sort of, isolated in a way that I really didn't expect Mm. but I think there are some ways to to counterbalance it you know I think having social sort of people that because you're missing out on colleagues and workplace banter and all of that you know having just someone even if it's a partner or a parent or you know child or anyone just come in and sort of go can we have a chat for five minutes Mm. that's enough for me sometimes to just refresh everything and just you know Mm. re-get me into doing the work because if I am sat in my house on my own for seven hours straight waiting for my boyfriend to come home I'll he'll come in and I'll like I've got to talk talk," you know Mm. because I've been so focused on what I'm doing I've just you know kind of frozen up you know I've forgotten how to be a human at this point I'm just a machine that works Mm. um you made so many interesting points there because you're so right it's um mm -hmm. Because I, I definitely took that for granted, those little social interactions for yeah. granted from sort of when I was in-house to to now. Because, yeah, I, I can go sort of like for a full day without chatting to someone. So mm-hmm. I can see how definitely maybe scheduling a phone call. Because I think you have yeah, to, don't you, to kind definitely. of make a note to do things like yeah. that. Because otherwise you just won't remember or you get mm-hmm. caught up in the actual work you're doing. Yeah. But yeah, I guess scheduling a phone call or going out. I mean, I'm quite lucky because like, the local coffee shops where I am are quite chatty so they oh, will nice. they'll chat chat yeah. they won't just be like you know here's your yeah. cake or whatever um but yeah it's surprising because there's there's so much around office-based work that I hadn't really thought about because you know initially you just think oh well that's the big sort of head yeah, of the job yeah. but it's things like going to the kitchen and having a chat mm-hmm. to someone yeah. while you're making tea or just you know yeah. I, I had a lovely team when I was working in house at Metro yeah. and they were brilliant and they were really sort of it's funny because it's not exactly not exactly friends, but I felt like they were closer than colleagues. They were sort of like yes. my people. Yeah. So yeah, to sort of be without mm-hmm. a little gang like that is yeah, is kind of it's just a bit sad. I mean, I still chat, chat to them now via Twitter or whatnot, mm-hmm. but it's it's not quite the same, is it? I completely understand. You know, when I that was kind of one of the reasons that I when I got let go from my job, I had gone from having this such a tight knit unit of people. You know, because you see them every day, you chat about like what you had for tea last night, what was on telly last night, you know. Yeah, just you Love Island chat or something. Love Island. I you have know. not talked to anyone about Love Island yet <laughs> and it's driving me crazy. <laughs> but, you know, it is the little conversations that you do generally miss. So when I got let go, I'd gone from having people I spoke to every single day, never feeling lonely, to just having me. Mm. And, you know, when you're dealing with mental health issues, that's such a kind of, in a way, bad headspace to get into, mm. you know. Yeah. It's also like just really distracting having mental health issues going on when you're freelancing because you're trying to sort of balance out, you know, I've got to deal with this anxious thought. I've got to deal with this depressive episode. You know, I'm also super lonely and I've got to write for me, like, you know, I've got to schedule three people's content, got to write three blog posts and then write an article for this thing. And mm. managing all that is is tough, mm. really tough. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I can completely relate. Because, yeah. you know, the bipolar disorder thing. Yeah. Most of the time it's fine, but then other times I'll have like patches of depression and then mm-hmm. that's sort of like, like you say, yeah. you kind of try and manage that. But, you know, in the past, I suppose it would have been, you know, my, my boss sort of vaguely knowing about it and mm-hmm. kind of 
helping me managing it or whatever. Whereas now it's just me. Yeah. I'm the boss of all the stuff that I do. <laughs> yeah. So like I could completely go like, no, I'm not doing anything, but that's not yeah. always necessarily helpful. Like sometimes it's actually quite helpful to just be like, do these bits of work to take yep. your mind off it or whatever it's absolutely yeah, it's yeah. really hard I've got a weird question for you actually yeah. <laughs> do you ever find that you don't want to tell a client that you've got a mental illness or something along those lines that's really interesting um I, it's funny really because I've I've always done the sort of I mean now that I chat about it all yeah. the time and I'm very open about it and like I don't can't remember if I've got it on my twitter profile but I bas- basically mm-hmm. I just assume that everybody knows that I've yeah. got bipolar disorder um, in terms of new clients, I wouldn't go out of my way to tell them. Yeah. But if, but at the same time, if there was some sort of problem, uh, then I would tell them. So yeah. maybe that is the wrong way around. <laughs> no, I'm talking about it. Because when I've worked in house of places, what I've tend to do is mm. I'll sort of work for a bit so that I, they can see that I'm capable. Yes. And then I'll go to my boss and then I'll be like, by the way, <laughs> you know, yeah. because I oh, kind yeah. of feel like... Um, it's probably not the way that it should be you know like in an ideal mm-hmm. world I'd be able to start a job and they would know from the off that yeah. I've got bipolar disorder yeah. and that's just you know in the same way that I might have asthma or something just to be yeah. aware of yeah but I still feel like there's um there is still stigma around yeah. it not everyone will agree with this but so that so I, I have generally felt like yeah I, I want to prove myself a bit mm-hmm. so I can then go well you know I do Here's have this, this yeah. but also I'm really great at my job so yeah yeah um so in terms of new clients no just because generally the work that I do it's sort of um I don't want to say patchy but it's kind of all over the place yeah so even if I was to have to cut back because of a mental health thing mm-hmm. um I wouldn't necessarily have to tell them about it yeah it's it's a it's a weird mix <laughs> yeah. I mean thinking about it I think and also it depends on the client as well like I, I know some of the workplaces are just generally more mental health friendly mm-hmm. and sometimes I just, I just get a vibe from sort yeah. of managers that they'll be good about it but all at the same time just not really interested in it so um yeah that's a very sort of hazy answer I don't like have a hard and fast rule yeah. I tend to just sort of play it by ear a bit really I suppose that makes sense yeah so what do you do I I tend to not tell them but mm. then I sort of think the more I, I'm talking about mental health they probably know they just don't want to bring it up mm. and because I think you know all of the blog posts I write you know talking about mental health you know I feel like so many of them would have just put it two and two together and in a great way just gone we're not interested can you still do our social media mm. and as far as I've sort of done yet yeah, there's not been an incident where my mental health has really interfered with my freelancing mm. But I honestly don't know whether when that day comes, I'd sort of have to go, I'm really sorry, I was going through a depressive episode or Mm. I just had a panic attack, couldn't make it to this meeting. And I'd like to say I would, but I do agree there is still that little bit of stigma that would make me feel guilty or bad or, you know, just ashamed to talk about it, you know, and to admit that. I suppose with freelancing generally, I try and it's still a thing of initially trying to show that, look, I'm good at what you're asking me to do. Yeah then trying to make that sort of relationship with whoever it is at a workplace mm-hmm. and then maybe have a conversation or be friends with them on a social media and then then yeah. once they're friends with me I'll be just be like well I'm telling literally everybody that I've got bipolar <laughs> yeah. disorder so if you're you know so they, they don't have to so actually yeah the times is a good example like I go in regularly mm. to the times yeah and um I sort of made friends with this girl who was just sort of we just naturally got on yeah um but also from that uh, I then mentioned that we were going to the mind media awards uh, last yeah. year and so then it's sort of fairly obvious that there's <laughs> yeah yeah stuff yeah and so I haven't been like 
the day I go in, I'm just like, hello, I've got this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a more kind of gradual thing. Gradual thing. Mm. But as we're talking about it, I am still, I am kind of thinking, actually, I don't know, maybe it would be more helpful, not necessarily initially, but for example, like if I've been assigned to do something, mm-hmm. you know, like if somebody says, you know, are you going to, you know, if I'm, if I'm struggling, yeah, would it be helpful to say, I'm really sorry, I can't do this because I've got depression or mm-hmm. is it better to give it a go anyway, anything? Yeah. Yeah. No, I just don't know. Yeah. It's, this, it's the same quandary that I think a lot of people have in all kinds of work, you know, like, mm-hmm. do you ring in and do you say, I've got the flu or do you ring in and say, I've got depression? Oh yeah. But this, this, the whole thing, but the end result is you're still not going to get your work because I'm yeah. sick. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it tricky. shouldn't matter either way, but you know, I think in a lot of workplaces, it's still not talked about, you know, it's still not, there's not a policy where you can go, if you need to be, you know, have a mental health day, you can take one. I mean, so many businesses don't even know what a mental health day is. And, you know, that, that sucks. And Mm. I think that is why a lot of people are going freelance now is because they want to get away from that. And I think that's, that's where freelance sort of comes into its own in terms of mental health is you do have the freedom. You do have the privacy as well. You don't have to talk about mental health to your workmates if you don't want to. Mm. You don't have to really sort of, you know, drag yourself to work when you're feeling really rough. You can stay at home in your safe space and get the work done and pay the bills and do everything without needing to put yourself through situations that make you anxious or make you depressed. Mm. But it's not ideal, is it? Because I mean, obviously, I mean, thanks to the um, laws sort of, a while back we, mm. we still get holiday pay yeah. we don't get sick pay do we if we're no. freelance and that's that's because I know yeah. a lot of freelancers who do have mental health issues and you know they've gone freelance mm. partly because of this um because they probably like me they sort of wanted to be able to sort of manage their workflow a bit yeah. better and you know some weeks just be like I'm well I can manage just four yeah. days so I'm yeah. just going to do four days um but yeah that then that does mean you don't get proper sick pay and yeah you, you can be earning less and then you have added stress of you know will I help pay the bills and all that sort of stuff so it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it it does play on your mind a thing as well you know that idea of if I don't work I'm not going to get paid and I'm not going to pay my bills and that kind of can feed into that anxious spiral of if I'm feeling anxious right now and I can't focus that's an hour wasted that's an hour of pay if you get paid by the hour you know that's an hour of money that I'm not getting because I sat here worried about something that's probably not going to happen because I'm just having a bad day Mm. I think that's another thing that I do struggle with as a freelancer is kind of the idea that well I could be making money at any time of the day why am I not and then feeling guilty about it if I have a bad day and don't do enough work on that day Mm -hmm. I think also because in social media I've got a very sort of constant flow of work because there's always new posts there's always new things I can Mm. always find something to do it's not like an end to the project Mm. and that adds on a lot of guilt for me if I've not worked enough if I've not put in enough hours you know that that's what adds up in my head a little bit and does make me more anxious really. So do you put any kind of structures in place um, to stop that like do you have mm. specific days off or do you work specific hours yeah uh, yeah what do you do basically so I 100% take weekends and I think they're so important because when you get into that kind of freelance lifestyle and Mondays are Sunday or Tuesdays are Saturday you know I make sure I do take weekends and I'll try and do something away from the screen away from work that's not social media related and I try and switch off completely um, but I also sort of think, you know, just taking little breaks are really important if you I'm sort of in that working spiral and letting myself have breaks mm. and trying so hard not to feel guilty. 
Um, I also recently wrote a blog post about a done list, which is writing a list of all the work I've done in the day. And I think that really helps me to just ease that guilt a little bit. Because when you've been working for a really long time on something, you can feel like you've not done any progress. But writing down every step of the things that you've done, you sort of see, oh, wow, I've actually done loads, you know, and it just just helps to sort of soothe it a little bit. So this is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. If you've been struggling with any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please call the Samaritans. They're on 116123. Also, you can find them online at samaritans.org. Thanks very much to our producers, Juliette Nichols and Sam Bonham, and to Lucy Baker for the jingles. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 